be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. After a shocking visit to the children's ministry, Pastor Jake hopes things will get better in the worship department. What's up? I'm Brandon Bishop. I'm the lead worship pastor here at the Hills Church. Hey. Hey, man. What's up, dude? Welcome to the worship team. This is incredible. Yeah. So I hear you're a vocalist. Is that right? I'm a singer. Yeah, I'm a singer. Yeah. Yeah. Vocalist. Okay. Anyway, come on. Show you around. You know, the worst part about being a worship leader is that literally everybody that walks in these church doors think they deserve to be on the worship team. Jesus welcomed everyone, and I get that, but like, we don't. All right, so um, this is the green room where we literally just sit back here and do nothing during the sermons. Wow. I mean, we watch a little bit. Yeah, okay, because we're like spiritual inspiration and wisdom from the pastor. No, not that at (laughs) all. No, we just need to know when it's time to go back on stage, you know? Wow, I figured everybody would be back here taking notes during the sermon, getting the pastor. (laughs) No, we usually just go to Starbucks. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Okay, this is uh, different than I imagined. All right, I got to be honest. The most difficult part of my job is just figuring out when to go back on stage after the sermon's over. Okay, it's like, is he wrapping up? I literally have anxiety attacks when he's wrapping up the sermon. It's like, is he done yet? How many bullet points does this thing have, okay? Should I go out there and play a little piano music or am I premature? It's like this giant game of double dutch that I just never win. I mean, I've literally never gotten it right one time. Maybe you can just go talk to him. You guys could work out a plan. No, that's not going to work. No, I don't even think he knows what he's doing out there. Plus, now he wants to do new campuses. Okay, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah, we don't have the musicians 
for that, okay? <laughs> it's like he wants Hillsong quality musicians on a kid's praise budget, and that just ain't gonna happen. We ain't got it. We don't have any talented musicians no. here? No, not even, no. Like, there's this one dude, Chris, who's like a vocalist. We don't even have his microphone on. Wow. I think he's been here for like two and a half years, and literally has no idea. It's actually hilarious. So this is where we rehearse. Gotta yeah. be honest, we do not rehearse that much. <laughs> you know what, you should practice probably a little harder. You should take this job more seriously. It's we pay you chords. a lot of money. It's the okay. same three chords. So. Hey Brandon, so, yeah. Pastor Jake wants his kid to do a rap intro again. Oh my gosh. <sighs> All right, I'll check planning center. <laughs> Honestly, I should just go work at Elevation. Awesome motives for the uh, uh, worship pastor there, right? Really, really great motives. Uh, now, that's just a ridiculous comedy sketch. You may have thought it's funny. You may not have. But I actually think what Jesus wants to expose in all of us here today is where we have the potential or where we have those exact same motives. Jesus said this. Jesus did that. And yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm on board with that. But I don't do that. We all can have very different motives. And the challenge for us today is where are our dangers? Where are we as a follower of Jesus when it comes to what's inside us? Our heart. Exposing hypocrisy in us and not just laughing at a silly video. But the thing is about that video that was really interesting, I thought, I scrolled through all the comments overwhelmingly, what do you think the comments were? And, you know, people making comments is biased because they're people wanting to make the comments. But overwhelmingly, what did, did I just see as I glanced? It's funny because it's true. That's why I don't go to church. It hurts because I'm on a worship team and I can relate to that. And these common threads of... There's hypocrisy in church. That's the problem with the church today. And you may be here today and you're thinking, that's what I feel about God and his church. There's just this sense of hypocrisy that I can't get on board with. What I want to say to you today is that you're actually onto something. That's not the way it should be. And it's what Jesus wants to expose in us all today. So as I've thought about this passage, I think my, my job here today for us is to help us, let's kind of get outside of the passage, get out of the way of it and let Jesus just do the talking with you as he wants to help us wrestle with such an important issue for us all. Wherever you're at with God today, what is your attitude towards him? Where is your heart? Where are your motives? And it's quite an easy concept to get a hold of, I think. I don't think that's the challenge for today. There's one big idea. Work at having the right motives. That is what we're challenged to think about today. And that the whole passage really could just be one verse if uh, Jesus didn't want to explain to us uh, uh, and help us really wrestle with it more. But the whole idea is in verse 1. Have a look on the screen there as it comes up. Be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
be careful. Not, he's not talking to those that are the super hypocrites necessarily. Potentially, the disciples there are the ones at this point in time, even though they have hypocrisy that they're being challenged with, who are trying hard not to be hypocritical. As a follower of Jesus, is that who we are? And he's saying, you've got to be careful. Don't rest on your laurels. This is an issue for you. You need to work at this. Be careful. What do you got to be careful about? How you practice your righteousness. Now, what, what, what's, what's that kind of phrase mean? It's like, you know, one of those kind of Christian-y words, practice your righteousness. Well, righteousness is what God has given us, that we see throughout the Bible, that through his death and his resurrection, Jesus has made us who weren't right with him now justified, right, because he has dealt with our sin. And so because he has done that in us, if you're a follower of Jesus, we live a life in response to that. We do things that are responding to that. That's our righteousness in responding. They're our practicing of righteousness. So the examples that he gives are God things that we do, the way that we pray, the way that we are concerned about others, we, the way that we think about God and focus on him. So fasting is the example he uses, the practicing of righteousness because God has made us that way. Be careful in what you do. Is it for the praise of others? Or is it to please God? You see, the way that Jesus highlights the importance that this issue is, is how verse 1 ends, isn't it? If you do, that is, if you do it in in front of others to be seen by them, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Because what we'll see later is you do get a reward, but it will be something else. You see, there are consequences if our motives aren't good, even if we do the good thing. See, God uses good things even when our hearts are wrong. But I want to ask you today, are you willing to do some personal work as we do it together? And exposing your heart where you have wrong motives. You know, we, can, we can look into all sorts of areas of our life and consider where we need to challenge ourselves and why we do what we do. What is it for you? Well, we could stop here and have a great discussion about it and wrestle with it. We've got all the issues. The issue has been brought out for us. How we respond to God and wanting to please Him isn't about what we, just what we do. It's why we do it and the motives for it. We could talk about that now. But Jesus actually does that talking with us by giving us three examples which, help, which helps push us into actually wrestling deeper. And so what I want us to do is to think about these uh, three examples and bring them back to yourself and ask, where, where do I have that problem in my life? Where do I need to challenge myself? And so the first example is giving to the needy. This is a great one in light of a, we're going to have um, a Compassion Sunday. Is it next week, Scott? Or it's coming up next week, Compassion Sunday, where we're going to be thinking about actually caring for kids who have got nothing. Why we do that is important. It's such a wonderful thing to do. And so in verse 2, 
we see that, uh, yeah, in verse 2, this example, giving to the needy is about helping others, not showing off how good you are. The Kiwi Ninja kind of brought that up for us a little bit. Look at verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may, may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will, will reward you. A good thing with hypocritical motives is what we're wrestling with. And what Jesus has highlighted is that when you get out there and you do something good, but you turn it on to yourself to show others how good you are, you're doing it poorly. You're not doing it in the way that he wants us to be. It's not about you. See how it says in verse 2, to be honoured by others? What are the good things that you do to be honoured by others? Is that why you do them? Because he said, well, you've already received your praise. Others have said how great you are. There's your reward. That's what you wanted, so you can have that. See, what we're seeing here is that we need to consider, do we try and throw ourselves in a little bit into the good that we do and actually make it about us? And so he says, do it in secret. Do it so that no one else knows uh, in the following verses. See, verse 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so your giving may be in secret. It's not that you've got to do all your good in secret now, right? Because if we were to do everything now from now on in secret, I've got to stop talking, we've all got to go home and we've all got to have our own individual church services which can't work because church is about gathering together. See, like, It's not about doing it in secret, it's about the point of actually, are you doing it in public when you don't need to because it's about you? When you are helping others, is there a little bit of you is doing it for yourself? Does that hit home a little bit? Well, Jesus pushes further. He wants us to push deeper into our hearts and so he talks about prayer. Praying that makes prayer about you destroys the point of praying in the first place. So have a look. We know you, more than likely all of us have heard the Lord's Prayer in some way, at some point, but before he even talks about the Lord's Prayer, which you may have heard, he wants to talk about how you go about praying. Look at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. The, the Pharisee who gets up and says, Thank you God that I am not like that person over there who is unlike me, that I can give all of the money that I have, they don't have anything to give you and they're hidden in the corner and I'm here in the middle of the synagogue saying how wonderful I am. That's not a prayer. That's a moment of self-adulation. But we as complex human beings 
sometimes like to draw a little bit from column A and a column B if we're being honest, don't we? And so when you pray, he says in verse 6, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So likewise, again, uh, when you pray, you do it in secret. So Darren, you're going to pray for us. So if you can just go home and do it in your bedroom by yourself quietly, because we can't have it done up the front here. That's not the point, right? When you pray, what are your motives? And you don't need to go out and do it out in public for no reason. When you pray in a, in a church, it's for the sake of others and for the sake of uh, focusing on God and doing it together. But do you actually have that heart of praying in secret because it's between you and God? When's the last time you've considered He sees the secret of your heart? Is prayer about your relationship with him or is it something else is it about twisting god's arm to get something you know if we just pray this brilliant prayer we can convince god who actually knows everything and is sovereign over all who actually has everything in his hands to do something can you see how ridiculous that sentence is it doesn't make sense God is sovereign. He is in control. We don't twist his arm. We pray in relationship with him. Your brilliance is not needed. Remembering your father is sovereign over all things and he already knows everything reminds us that our prayers are not about you revealing something to God. Ah. Oh, I've got to bring my request before God because maybe he doesn't know that I'm really struggling at the moment in my life. Maybe he doesn't know that I'm actually doing it really tough. Three months in a row without having a job, he needs to know that. I better reveal that to him so I will pray. That's not why we pray, is it? He knows. It's about an intimate relationship where you're acknowledging your dependence upon him. Whereas in your in whatever situation you're in, you bring it before him and in relationship, ask him to help you. Prayer in a relationship is about having a godly focus and talking with God. We need to constantly be careful that we don't change our prayers, don't we? And why we do them. I think a good way of thinking about this in my life was to think about times when I've made mistakes up the front in church. And I could go on forever. That could be the rest of the talk, to be honest. Of all the times I've said things wrong, I'm like, unlike Scott, Scott's just you know, seen, seen that's not true either. Scott's made plenty of mistakes, I'm sure, as well. But that's the point. Because in those moments, for anyone who gets in front of anyone in any context, when you make a mistake, your motives are potentially exposed. There's a classic moment when I'm back at Modbury quite a few years ago now. Stephen George had came with, uh, and he was the uh, senior pastor and, uh, and uh, he preached as he, as he does really helpful sermon 
on, 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 on uh, Jesus and it was really great. One of the things we tried to do at the end of the, ser- end of the service is wrap it up with a prayer and try and get that main point focused. And I tried to do that. I was leading the service and I tried to do that and it all happened. And, we, and then we, we caught up as we did and went through the service and he asked me, so what did you think the main point of the talk was about? I literally prayed the opposite of what he was trying to get across. <laughs> I felt so bad, and I, that oh, that was such a disaster. Like, was that no? As a, as a preacher, I, that's the worst thing you could do, right? And but but then, as I as I reflect on it, my problem was I was thinking about it more about oh, what an idiot I look like. I was like, I had the wrong motives there. It should have been oh, that was so unhelpful for everyone. <laughs> like, there was part of me that had the wrong motives when I was exposed to my mistake. I bring that up because I think that's what we need to wrestle with. As I said, prayers that try to twist God's arm really misunderstand the point of talking to our God in relationship, making it about us and not Him. And so this is so important. What does Jesus do? He gives us an example that should be familiar to us. But did you know the Lord's Prayer is, is an example? You may have thought of it as a model for how you pray, but it's a model for how you pray so it helps your motives. That is the context here. He shows us how to give the right motives when we pray. So verse 9, I'm not going to explain all the Lord's Prayer today. It's not going to be in a, an explanation of all the just glorious uh, teaching that's in there. But let's pull apart a bit of the motives behind it. He says in verse 9, This is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that a little bit later, we are starting off by remembering when we talk to God, it's about what He wants. It's about His kingdom. It's about His eternity and future, that He's returning, that His kingdom is what we want to see happen. It's about God. It's not about you. Other person-centered praying is we are concerned for God and fostering about our relationship with Him. So even our requests then, even our requests aren't about us. They may be for us in a sense, but they're not about us, are they? They're about us remembering that we are totally dependent upon Him. So verse 11, give us today our daily bread. See, you're not so great. You haven't done so well in your life. You haven't managed to get the house that you need, the job that you've had, the food on your table, that you have been so brilliant that you've been able to be self-sufficient. That's what this prayer is saying. Remember, actually, if you've got the right motives, it's God who provides. And so we come to him and ask for our daily bread. Our prayer humbly reminds us that God is the provider. And if life is about relationship and relationship with God and each other, then actually our heart, our motive should be driven by forgiveness. And so what do we see next? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Prayer is about our relationship with God, right? It's about, it's about talking to Him. It's about a relationship. That, that's what a relationship is, talking to someone. If you're talking to someone, you're in a relationship with him, whatever type of relationship is. Prayer is when we're talking with God. It's about us 
coming before him and remembering the only way that we can have this genuine relationship is because he has forgiven us. And if we want to embrace that forgiveness, we want to forgive others. And so, because he has forgiven us, what does our heart want? It wants not to turn away from him. That should be what our motive is. So look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our motives for life are not about how we look, but to live in a way that pleases God and the righteousness he has given us in Christ. You see, how do you go with forgiveness? Who is that person you struggle to forgive? Verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Is your heart truly wanting the forgiveness God offers? Is it? Well, then you actually want to forgive others. This is not some kind of tripe hallmark card moment where it just says something, oh, we forgive and let go. This is a real changing of the heart that God is wanting us to wrestle with. And sometimes there is work that needs to be done, right? This is sometimes, it's not like a light switch that needs to be flicked on and off sometimes where there is something that is so painful that we want to be, have forgiveness, we want to see the relationship restored, even though it may not go back to the way things were and shouldn't, and yet it's hard. There is work that needs to be done. Who is that person? What is that situation? But the question actually is, do you want to have that forgiveness be your motive. And then to ask Jesus to change your heart. That is something I think we're seeing today we need to do. That God's people, even when we're struggling with it, even when we're not fully resolved in some relationships even when the other person refuses to want to restore the relationship, where is your motive and heart? As we think about these things though, it's also important to remember there's there's absolutely no point hearing this talk today and going out the door and saying, okay, now I've just got to do all these things with a better motive if we haven't done work with God first. If you think I can, you actually just like Brandon Bishop, the worship pastor. You know, like he's pretending to be a Christian and he's doing all these outwardly good things, but you haven't done the work with God. He hasn't humbled your heart. Your first motive is to ask the question Do I see the hypocrisy in the church and let myself, let that be an excuse? for me not dealing with God and the hypocrisy I have towards Him? Do I consider the words of the Lord's Prayer where it says, as you forgave us? And remember, 
But Jesus, who's saying these words here, at the end, goes to the cross, who was never hypocritical, who stepped into your place and forgives you taking on your hypocrisy and all your rejection of him. That is the first heart change that God wants us all to make. And if that is where you need to change today, that change is a change from life, from death to life. That is a change where you have now seen that Jesus is the one you live for. Can I encourage you to wrestle with that more? And see that Jesus is genuinely wanting you to hear him say he forgives you. Our last example, a lot uh, shorter, is something that I actually don't think I've ever done. I don't think. There are probably many of us as well. Fasting. But actually, it's a really helpful one to think about. And my my uh, point here, I think we see, is that looking godly is just hypocritical. So let's have a read of it, and then we'll then we'll just reflect on it for a moment before we kind of go into some personal reflections for all of us. Verse sixteen: When you fast, do not look somber, as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. <laughs> what is the point of fasting here? Is that you actually fast to sacrifice something, the provision that you need physically to, point, to spend time remembering who God is that actually you need him, that it's all about a time of reflecting, coming back to him, remembering he is the one you're dependent upon. It can be a helpful thing to do, even though it's something that, you know, it's not mandated and it's not something that is often our general practice. But if you do it, or anything else that you do uh, that is you know, godly or religious in some way, if you do it so that others see you and go, wow, look at the super Christian over there. I wish I could be like them because they really do godliness well. Then all you've done is disfigured your face, but actually disfigured your heart towards God. Looking godly to others for the sake of, of yourself is folly and yet can I ask you where have you done that see we need to be careful because it's also very helpful we see throughout the scriptures Paul often says be an example to others live a life that others can see Jesus in the way that you live and so we actually don't live in holy huddles by ourselves because we actually want to Encourage and build up one another. But how do we do it? Do we do it with humility? Do we do it for the sake of others? Do we do it because we want to be more like Jesus? So what do all these examples then have in common? 
There's a hypocrite. And the hypocrite does this thing where we see their motives are exposed and basically their motives aren't about God. Whatever they're doing, it's not for God. They are not aligned with what God wants them to do and why he wants them to do it. And so he says, do it in secret. Now, if the thing that you're doing is in secret, uh, is for others to see, if you do it in secret, what's taken away? Others to see it. Are you still going to do it? You see how that's a really helpful reflection? Whenever you seek to do something that is a good thing, look deep where God knows you, because he knows you, and ask yourself, am I doing this as a hypocrite? Am I doing it as one who wants to do it all for God? You see, we rely on him for everything. Do you believe that? We give him all thanks and praise. Do you believe that? Or do you think it's all thanks and praise to 90%, but actually I wouldn't mind a little bit of 10% for myself? You see, we come back to him and seek to help others for their sake, as in giving to the needy, for example. But it's actually for the sake of God and his glory. And so can I ask you again, I'm constantly just wanting you to ask that question of yourself. Where do you need to look at your heart and bring it before God? Do you praise, crave praise when you do something nice? Are you fearful of making a mistake in Christian circles in front of others? Uh, not just because you want to do things well, because that's a good God-honoring thing to do, but when you push deep down, it's because you'll look like a fool and people will think that you're not really good. Do you like being noticed when you do a church thing? I think, friends, we're a bit of a combo deal when it comes to these questions, right? Yeah, we do. At our best moments, we really do have the right motives a lot of the time, but there's still that other part. There's column B, which is about us. And that's why Jesus is saying today, be careful. Constantly come back to this. Never assume your motives are going to be always right this side of heaven. So let's think about Sunday. Let's just have a think about this for a moment. None of it is in secret, as I've said. Are we here for God? Yes? We're, we're going to go yes with that, right? Good. That's a good start. Excellent. You can breathe, Scott. That's good. We're here for God. We could literally do all the things outwardly for each other here for God, and no one is necessarily going to know why you're doing them, and, and that's between you and Him. And what we need to do together as his people, ask him, not just to transform what it looks like outwardly, which will help others and hopefully see that we are not wanting to be hypocrites and we're wanting to honour God and see other people wrestle with how great God is. But we want our hearts to be aligned with that, don't we? See, are we, <clears throat> are we here to build one another up or to do the thing that we love to do? If you've got a gift, for example, and you think, oh, I've got to serve this way because it's my gift, where's your motive? When I get up and make a mistake, as I said, oh, if I make that mistake, I can't possibly... Who cares if you make a mistake? We do our best to honour God, but if it's going to build up the people, we do it anyway. Oh, I could be up the front, I've got those skills, but these things behind the scenes need to happen. 
nah, I need to do the thing. All of us wrestle in those moments. If a visitor comes here, what is their impression of us as a church? It's a good question to constantly ask, isn't it? You see, to state the obvious, we're a young church. We're in a no-frills building. We don't outwardly look that impressive that other churches can and sometimes looking uh, those things are actually helpful to see that you care about things and where you're at that's all good but we can just assume because we're in this phase that we are have the right motives but we shouldn't got to keep on asking ourselves how we go so let me give you an example to help you wrestle with how you need to do this this week by being honest as we come near the end. See, my, my confession in this is that it is hard being a preacher in regards to this context. I certainly find that. And I want to encourage you to keep praying for Scott and not assume he's fine with his motives. A godly man who is a good friend, who's leading us well, we don't rest on that, we pray for him. Because I find... It's so hard not to add a little bit of myself and wanting you to, to make me feel good today. That is just a wrestle that if, I think every preacher has to be honest with. And so constantly thinking about that. So for example, today I was literally getting in the car and I was going through the talk in my head. I, I practiced before and I went, oh gee, I, I might stumble that bit up. Oh, that would be no good. And, I, and I, I, I checked myself thinking, I'm actually worried about what you think about me or whether you think it's going to be any good today. That is irrelevant. I really don't care if you find me totally boring today and you don't get anything, but you go away thinking, oh, I've got to check my motives because God matters. That is, that is what I think any preacher should wrestle with. You have those moments wherever you're at. Any person that comes up, the, the band, the prayers, the singers what you do at work, how you serve in a community group, how you care for people. Do you go around visiting people and loving them and caring for them? How do you go through those moments and wrestle with your motives? You know what the wonderful thing is though? God still uses us even when our motives are mixed. Forgiveness is always there. When we do those check where we're at, we can either go into a spiral of guilt and think I'm hopeless or we can go, oh, man, I got that wrong. I'm sorry, God. Please help me to change, change my heart, get me back on track and go again. And it's sometimes if something's a real problem, we do something about it. We tell someone, we ask for prayer, we wrestle with it. I'm going to just finish now. Uh, by praying a quick prayer, because we're going to continue to pray a bit later. We're going to pray that we will have that time where we wrestle with God, and then we're going to sing a song which is all about God and His holiness. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for these amazing words that do a real thing for us. Expose our motives. Help us to have motives that honour and praise you in all that we do. Amen.